This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. WBBM News Time 1203. Great to have you joining us for the Friday edition of the Noon Business Hour. I'm Cisco Cotto. The Noon Business Hour is presented by Republic Bank of Chicago. We'll take a look deeper at the mixed markets and a rebound in dry cleaners in Chicagoland now that the pandemic is slowly waning. Right now, Tribune Publishing shareholders have approved its sale to Alden Global Capital. Let's find out what it means. Bob Reed is here, business writer and contributor at Chicago Magazine. Uh, Bob Alden now becomes the second biggest newspaper owner in the country. What does this mean for the Tribune and the other newspapers? Well, it took less than 15 minutes for the shareholders to approve this deal. It's $633 million and about $17.20 a share. Deal's supposed to close June 30th, and it means that Alden can now put into practice the plan it has to basically consolidate operations, cut costs, and make real significant changes within this newspaper chain. And that's going to mean a much different Chicago Tribune. We've seen uh, online, especially a lot of the Chicago Tribune uh, Guild, the union members, very upset about this, trying to make sure that it didn't happen in the days leading up to the vote. What is it that they're afraid that this new owner is going to do? Well, you know, the ranks have already been diminished since Alden has basically had control of the board and management, and they're afraid that they're going to see much more of the same. And that means that you're going to see probably fewer local bylines. You're probably going to see more wire copy and uh, what they call zombie sections, which really are just filled with outside contributors that Alden has already paid for. You know, Alden looks to make money by cutting costs and riding the decline And one way they can uh, isolate those costs is by cutting back on any kind of local expenditures. And unfortunately, that means local personnel. You say riding the decline. So as opposed to coming in, revamping, sort of trying to turn the trajectory around for newspapers, instead they're just looking to make as much as they can, you know, while, as you mentioned, the decline continues? Yeah, that's the argument. Alden says that it's in the business of sustaining local newspapers, Uh, And it does so by trying to find the happy medium where they can keep them going and still turn a profit. Uh, Skeptics would uh, laugh at that and say they're really in it for the money. They use the cash flow. They ride the decline and make money on costs and cutting costs. And then there are some that figured that they're going to walk away from the deal when the time is right for them. So when it comes to the future of the Chicago Tribune here in Chicago, uh, is there a sense on whether this maybe prolongs the life of the Tribune or or maybe it's not going to have any sort of an impact on that? Well, it kind of depends on what you expect from the Tribune. I mean, as a nameplate and as a product, I expect it will be around. But I think the changes that Alden is going to make will happen very quickly 
if this deal goes through, I might add there is one wrinkle. Uh, a major shareholder who had 25% of the company abstained when the vote came. And there's a thinking out there that by abstaining, you basically are against the deal. So it's a slender thread, but it's a possibility the deal won't go through. But I doubt that. I think this is a goner. It's interesting. So many people have assumed newspapers, oh, you know, they're just done. It's just a matter of when. And yet it seems like they're evolving instead. You have the Wall Street Journal, national paper, still, as best I can tell, growing in circulation uh, locally. You have Block Club Chicago taking off as an online news product. I mean, people, they're, they're not done with news yet. No, they're not. And there's a demand for local news. The problem is that you can't turn as big a buck as some of these outfits would like to see. So that means you have to change the business model. In many cases, they're becoming nonprofits or much smaller hybrid uh, organizations that have a combination of uh, for-profit revenue and nonprofit standing. Uh, we're going to see organizations fill in the gaps, but uh, you know something of size and scope of the Tribune I think it's going to be diminished because of this acquisition. Always enjoy talking with Bob Reed, business writer and contributor at Chicago Magazine. Just ahead, what the advances of blockchain technology mean to our lives. Blockchain technology is advancing at a rapid pace. Let's talk about its impact. Shelley Palmer is here, CEO of the Palmer Group, author of the new book, Blockchain, Cryptocurrency, NFTs, and Smart Contracts. It's now available on Amazon. Shelley, always good to talk with you. Help us quickly, kind of a thumbnail primer, what exactly is blockchain technology? It's the underlying technology behind all the cryptocurrency you're ever going to touch and every NFT that you've heard about. So from Beeple all the way down to Jack Dorsey's tweet, every NFT is a smart contract. And all of those smart contracts are stored on a blockchain, which is basically like writing something in granite. Um, it'll last for thousands of years. It doesn't care what you write on it, and you can always tell if it's been altered. So that's the value of a blockchain. And a smart contract just goes like a vending machine. You put in a dollar, and it's asking you for $1.50. It won't give you your soda. Put in the $1.50. It goes, okay, good. Here's your soda. And then a small house elf runs over and writes it in stone on the blockchain. <laughs> and that's it. That's the entire process. But what makes it interesting is that it's, it's not really about cryptocurrency as much as it is decentralized finance. This ability for each and every one of us to be completely in control of our finances and for every business deal to be able to be done with people that you A, trust or B, don't trust, B, that you know or don't know. And the reason this is possible is because a smart contract is just like a regular contract, except that it's digital. So nothing happens until all the conditions are met. So while you do trade in it in, in a utility token or a cryptocurrency, which you may or may not decide to turn into a fiat currency later, nothing happens unless all the conditions of the contract are met. And this is really unusual and amazing because in the real world, you have to sue people who take advantage of you. <laughs> Here, they can't take advantage of you until the conditions are met. Now, look, you can do all kinds of weird things with cryptocurrency and strange things with um, smart contracts, and it's very early days. And as you know, because you're you study the business world as I do, the speculation and the craziness around cryptocurrency and the bubble is, is insane. But that bubble is about speculation. And this technology is much deeper and much more far reaching and truly a much bigger deal. So do you foresee the day when all contracts, I mean, I'm thinking, for example, when you go to buy a house or something like that, where, where all of that is somehow on blockchain and that's where the deals are being made? 
I think that the title insurance is going to end up on a blockchain because there's no reason to keep paying for something that, you know, pretty much you don't need to keep paying for once it's immutable, it's immutable. What I do think is going to happen is that value will be created in the service economy. Like musicians create value when they sing and play actors, create value, poets, writers, a lot of the intellectual property, a lot of the things we do that are service-based create value, but we have no way to store it. And there's giant central authorities that are in the way. Um, if you want to open up a business or, or get a micro loan, look at the paperwork that has to be done. But on a blockchain, we could set up environments where, None of that is happening and where these utility tokens have value on their own or these cryptos uh, currencies have value on their own and are able to be exchanged for like services. And when that happens in a, in a with fungible exchange on something that people agree on, we're going to open up the level of creativity and finance that we really saw when we got personal computers. You know, when everyone had to go to a mainframe to compute, we didn't really have the kind of progress that we have now where everyone's got a laptop and a smartphone that's a you know, quad-core computer in their pocket. Think of how the world has changed creatively, financially, and you know, in every interesting way because of computers. Now imagine democratizing finance that way. And you can see that without gatekeepers in the way, uh, without people standing between you and being able to do deals, the world would open up very quickly and everyone's creativity could be expressed in, in a really good demonstrable and, uh, way and value could be created and exchanged in ways we just can't do it now. So that's the promise of blockchain. And that's what I wrote about. I mean, I also wrote about the crypto craziness and this. So everybody from blockchain, the, the book, which I was very tickled, is actually um, doing number one in, in money and banking on Amazon right now in eBooks and in under 90 minute reads. It's also number one there and in, in monetary policy. So um, it's only $2.99. It's an ebook. It's very short. It's concise. And the goal here is to teach people not only about the what crypto is, um, but what it might be for. So what it is now, what you have to be careful of, because there's things to be careful of, the kind of homework you need to do, who the big players are, who they aren't. And then I've, I've laid out different ways to think about the future, because it's really early days. And to look at crypto as anything other than you looked at the internet in 1993 or 1995, is a mistake. It's early. You know, we had Telenet in the 60s, but we didn't have the World Wide Web till the late 90s. And we have crypto now, we have blockchain now, but we don't really have the commerce and the, uh, the abilities we're going to have as people get more into this. So yeah. I hope this is a good introduction for people. Yeah, it helps a lot. And I think that's what makes the whole thing so exciting is just all of the changes that can possibly come about. Thank you so much. Always good to talk with Shelly Palmer, CEO of the Palmer Group, a business that may not realize took a big hit in the pandemic. It is now bouncing back, though. That and more still to come on the Noon Business Hour, 1216. Lunch money for all generations. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. As people return to the workforce, they will again be turning to professional cleaners to make sure their attire is in order. Joining us on the McGrath Lexus Business Line, Tom Ryan, Vice President of Franchise Development at CD1 Price Cleaners, 34 locations across Chicagoland. Tom, it's good to have you with us. Let's begin with the pandemic. How rough was that for dry cleaners as you know, so many people didn't go to work? Right. It was a thank you. Well, first off, thank you, Cisco, for the time. Uh, it was rough. It was rough for our our chain of stores and certainly for the industry. When the when the governor uh, issued the stay at home order, we were deemed to be an essential business. But with everybody working from home, they weren't dressing up and they weren't wearing their normal attire and they weren't going to restaurants and going to various events. So 
our our business uh, certainly certainly suffered uh, pretty pretty hard early in the pandemic, but we're certainly seeing some green shoots here as the vaccines have been rolled out. People are feeling more comfortable, and they're they're beginning to return back to work. And so you're already seeing that. That's what you're saying that you're because I mean we're noticing more traffic on the expressways, more people downtown, and so your business is experiencing that as well. People are getting back to it. They are. They are. And we think that there'll be a hybrid approach, you know, to allowing people to return safely to work. But sort of anecdotally, as you're referring to, uh, there is more traffic. There are more people parked in various uh, parking lots for for places of work. And and we are seeing uh, we are seeing things return. We're certainly not back to where we were. Uh, but uh, but we are we are certainly seeing a return of, of business back to the stores. In general, I, I'm pretty sure you do this. In general, have you seen dry cleaners even before the pandemic having to to sort of pivot and expand a little bit beyond just dry cleaning to also other laundry services? Right, absolutely, and we certainly have been leading that charge as well here in Chicago with. What, what, what would be termed as kind of personal wash and fold laundry. And certainly during the pandemic, uh, that picked up. We were, we were cleaning more household goods as consumers were concerned about safety and, and the health of their families. Uh, we were seeing more comforters and those types of things, you know, coming into the store. And certainly uh, we, we also offer that pickup and delivery service or a pickup and delivery service for personal wash and fold laundry in certain areas of Chicago as well. And that was a safe, convenient alternative for people who, who for one reason or another, might not have wanted to venture out into a retail store. Good to see more small businesses on the rebound, for sure. That is Tom Ryan, Vice President of Franchise Development at CD1 Price Cleaners. Just ahead, Entrepreneur Friday, time to begin nominations for the annual Chicago Innovation Awards. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. I'm Cisco Cotto. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. The Chicago Tribune has been sold to a hedge fund that's based in New York. Doctors are considering the potential need of a COVID booster shot. Entrepreneur Friday nominations are now open for the 20th annual Chicago Innovation Awards. The Chicago Dogs minor league baseball team set to open its fourth season in Rosemont. WBBM Business, the Dow up one. 128. The Nasdaq down 37, and the S&P is up two points. Oil up two and a half percent. Sunshine and a few clouds in Chicagoland, heading to a high of 87. Right now, it's 83 degrees. The Chicago Tribune and its publishing company's assets have been sold to New York hedge fund Alden Global Capital. Trib shareholders approved the $633 million sale today. The transaction is expected to become official by June 30th. It will make Alden the second largest newspaper owner in the. U.S. surpassed only by Gannett. Unions representing Tribune employees say they're saddened by the move, adding, quote, profit and greed have been chosen over local news. The many Americans who've been vaccinated against coronavirus could have another shot in their future. Dr. Anthony Fauci asked about booster shots on CBS this morning. We don't know whether we will have to do it and when we will have to do it. There are reports it could be as soon as six months, but he said that's far from certain at this point. There's estimates. Well, it may be a year. It may be a little bit longer. The fact is we don't know, but it would really be foolish not to plan for the possibility the drug companies have been busy working on that just in case. Cami McCormick, CBS News. It's 1232. Your best stock option. 
This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Markets are mixed. The Dow up 140, NASDAQ down 29, the S&P is up four points. Let's see what's going on. The Noon Business Hour presented by Republic Bank of Chicago. Shah Galani is here, Chief Investment Strategist at morning at moneymorning.com. Moneymorning.com. Shah, always appreciate you being with us. What do you make of what you're seeing on Wall Street today? Well, nice to be with you, Cisco. Thanks for having me. Uh, I think we're still in the throes of uh, questioning wh- what the Fed's commitment is to stay the course, the low interest rate course, vis-a-vis you know, some of what we heard on Wednesday from the April meeting. And uh, yeah, I think investors are kind of questioning in here based on what happened early last week when the markets tumbled. You know, they, they managed to come back towards the end of the week, but ended the week lower. And we started again this week the same way. It looks like we're trying to end on a strong up, but we'll end up probably lower on the week nonetheless. And I think it's really a question of what is going to happen with interest rates and what will the Fed do about rising rates, which are eventually going to rise further and faster, I think, than most investors think. And talk about rising rates and inflation, what that does to a portfolio and how investors should respond to that sort of an environment. Well, first and foremost, uh, we know that inflation erodes your purchasing power. So whatever you make in terms of your income, uh, if rising prices are present and uh, Price rises increase the cost of what it is for you to live on, whether it's rent or your food or what have you, increases relative to your, so we say, stable or stationary amount of income. So that's always a problem. As far as investors are concerned, investors who stay in the market, as long as the market continues to rise uh, and will probably continue to rise higher, especially for companies that have pricing power that can raise prices, their profit margins will actually increase. So investors should stay in the companies in the stocks um, where the companies actually have pricing power, because that is really your best defense against rising inflation. And is this where it's good to get some sort of dividend as well, so that not only are you riding an expected increase in the stock price, but you're also getting a little money along the way? Well, it's always nice to have good dividend-yielding stocks. The problem with uh, dividend-yielding stocks is if the dividend isn't going to increase and inflation increases and investors who live off of those dividends, uh, which are in a sense fixed income for them, um, their purchasing power will be diminished. And so they have problems. So um, you really want companies that have the breadth to be able to raise dividends in, the, in, in an inflationary environment. Uh, and that's a lot of investors get caught with low dividend yielding stocks and actually get hurt in a rising rate environment. So the investors have to be certainly leery of that dynamic. What do you make of uh, crypto? I mean, it's it's all over the place today. What, you got Bitcoin down about 7.5%. Uh, a lot of people were hoping that it would just keep on climbing, and obviously that's not happening. That's a great question, Cisco, because a lot of investors and certainly a lot of retail investors have uh, dabbled and some deeply in, in the crypto space. It's not a space that I, I venture into deeply. I certainly follow it, obviously. But I, to me, uh, the crypto space is a great trading environment. There's, there's a lot of trading opportunities there. I don't see the long-term store of value uh, uh, pandemic, excuse me, the uh, parameters that folks put around some of the cryptos. I don't, I don't see them as a viable alternative currency. You can't have a crypto as a viable alternative currency when it has the kind of volatility that these cryptos have exhibited. So to me, I, I think investors who make a lot of money, I'm, I'm thrilled for them. They just need to ring the register from now and then and time and again. And because at some point the game may end, 
on the other side, honestly, nobody has any idea. You know, there's sometimes a greater fool theory. Who knows? Bitcoin could go to 100,000, could go to 400,000, or we could see it at 3,000 in a couple of days. We don't know. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, volatility and really no certainty for sure. Shah Galani, Chief Investment Strategist at MoneyMorning.com. An economy of words. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Entrepreneur Friday. Nominations are open for the 20th Annual Chicago Innovation Awards. Joining us on the McGrath Lexus Business Line, Luke Tannen, Executive Director at Chicago Innovation. Luke, for people who are just learning about this, tell us, kind of give us a thumbnail sketch. What are the Chicago Innovation Awards? Yeah, thanks for having me on, Cisco. So starting this month, organizations large and small across all industries, for-profit and non-profit, high-tech, low-tech, and no-tech can nominate their new products and services for the 20th Annual Chicago Innovation Awards. And winners will be celebrated at the Chicago Innovation Awards ceremony in October, invited to ring the NASDAQ bell in New York City. They get to meet with the mayor, governor, Cook County president, covered in local and national media. And, and you know, the reason why we do this every year is because it is a big risk to launch something brand new, and we think that innovators really deserve to be celebrated. And the truth is, there is tremendous innovation happening in the Chicago region, and we are here to shine a bright spotlight on the city and suburbs as a hub of creative, creative activity. So for anyone who is listening right now, think about what your organization has done during the past few years. I am sure there is something new you have launched in that time. And so the deadline to self-nominate is July 30th. And you can do so through our website at chicagoinnovation.com. And you say self-nominate. No reason to, to sort of be embarrassed, sheepish, or anything. <laughs> you just go ahead. If you, if you have something going on, go ahead and nominate yourself. That is exactly right. And you know what? I know people in Chicago are humble and modest. But you know what? People in other states are not going to brag about all the great things we're doing. So we need to brag ourselves. And that's what the Chicago Innovation Awards is here to do. No, you and touch actually, on that. Uh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, speaking of, of bragging, uh, in terms of some of the stats and impact, uh, that we've seen of these companies, you know, last year's 272 nominees generated $5.7 billion in new revenues and created over 7,300 jobs. And out of the 335 past Chicago Innovation Award winners, 98% are still in business and 59 have been acquired for exit values exceeding over $110 billion. So it's not just celebrating innovation. It's also kind of a, a you know, a little, a little help for some of these innovators too, that, that maybe need a, a broader way of people see, seeing them. Yes, exactly right. Well, recognition, you know, really goes a long way, not just for a city, but, but for a company. And we've seen uh, companies who've won the Chicago Innovation Awards, you know, leverage that recognition to attract new talent, to motivate employees, to attract new investment, to get new customers. Uh, it can be very powerful. Thanks so much, Luke Tannen. Again, the website, chicagoinnovation.com. Still to come, it's play ball time in the Northwest suburbs. News that makes you money. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The Chicago Dogs ready to welcome fans to Impact Field in Rosemont. We're talking baseball. Sean Hunter is here, owner of the Chicago Dogs. Sean, it's good to have you back on the show. So this is minor league baseball, and I'm going to guess it's a pretty family-friendly affair. It is. It's very family-friendly. Impact Field is one of the nicest ballparks in the country, and we like to think that we're both affordable and accessible, so we we uh, we cater to everybody. And so, what are people going in there? What what do they expect? I mean, is it just baseball? A lot of other things going on? No, great question. It, it's fun from the time you park your car until you go home, and and, and baseball is just part of the show. But we uh, we have a great promotional schedule this year. We've got ten fireworks nights. We have every Friday we uh, we give away great items to the fans that come in and then we have eight theme nights ranging from superhero night to Elvis night and Jimmy Buffett night so 
every night is a bit of a show, and we, we like to think people can do things at our ballpark that you can't maybe at the bigger ballparks, like get an autograph, catch a foul ball. So over the years, uh, have you had some players that maybe people would recognize who have played with the dogs, or, or is it all up-and-coming players, players trying to keep playing? It's a combination. So we've had a, a bunch of young players that uh, just in the last couple of years have moved up and signed MLB contracts, but it, uh, a lot of fans remember in 2019, Carlos Zambrano pitched for the dogs when he uh, wanted to make a comeback and, and really delighted the fans. And then they were very excited this year that we're led by Michael Bowden, who pitched for the Cubs five or six years ago. And before that had a good stint with the Boston Red Sox. He's off to a good start, pitched great last night for us on the road, and he'll be our opening night pitcher next Friday. So he uh, he's kind of leading a cast of young talent. I know last year you had uh, sort of a, a social distancing, didn't sell all of your seats. What's the plan for this season? So we're, we're excited. You know, we're going to start off gradual. We'll, we'll, we'll be playing to about 35% capacity, and that'll be full almost every night to start. And then we'll, over the, the month of June, begin to build that up to 100%. But it was a delight last year to get to play. We were the only live baseball in town, and, and fans came out and celebrated. So we're, we're look to start this year where we uh, left off last year. Good stuff to have some fun in the suburbs. Chicago Dogs baseball in Rosemont. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.